What's the solution to trucking stubborn parking problem? Natural gas powered trucks are well ahead of electric trucks. And two controversial approaches to solving the scarcity of commercially licensed drivers. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss these topics and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. Chad, uh, what do you uh, got going on right now? Well, uh, I, JP, am uh, about to uh, imbibe on a Dogfish Head Romantic Chemistry IPA. Oh, how sweet. I'm feeling the love right now, man. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, Dogfish Head Brewery is uh, a real... Well, you know what? Should I talk about myself before we've allowed you to... uh, What are you um, drinking there, JP? Bell's Too Hearted. Shocker. Um, it has a signature fruity aroma in the yeast. It is um, drinkable and suitable for adventures anywhere. I, uh, I don't know if you read that off the label, but I feel like I've heard that before. Uh, the thing I like about Dogfish Head is that they are an independent brewery still doing it right. I think the, uh, the owner has a PhD in Britannomyces. Um, do you know what Britannomyces is? Wild yeast. That's right. Uh, All right. Yeah. And they are independent. Well, I just said they're independent, but they're independent like Freight Waves is an independent media company. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Let's rock these headlines, JP. We got some interesting things, uh, uh, you know, on capacity crunch and uh, just, you know, trying to solve some stubborn problems. Yeah. Just all all these stories about how, you know, Demand for trucks, freight volumes, they're really overloading the available infrastructure in the country and causing all different kinds of, you know, we talk about traffic, we talk about congestion, we talk about detention, we talk about warehouse prices, but you wrote um, a really popular story this week about, oh, why, thank you, about um, trucking's stubborn parking problem and different ways of trying to solve that uh, because drivers spend so much time, you know, it eats away at their productive hours, their no, revenue really generating true. hours, just looking for a place to sleep. It's um, not a new problem, you know. It's not a new problem. It's uh, been a been, been an you know well documented indi- uh, industry problem for well a little over a decade at least, um, as I understand it. Uh, but you know, there's just been. Uh, just been like a number of you know all this perfect storm of of issues that 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 we have you know covered well the eld mandate being a large one um but there's also just you know the you know um requirements to you know to stop and rest have become more intense because of the hos thing and then there's just simply literally fewer locations for trucks to stop so what could go wrong yeah, everything. <laughs> and it is. Um, there are uh, about 300,000 parking spaces, according to the Federal Highway Administration. Um, it's hard to know at any given point just how many drivers are over the road at any given point. But if you just kind of ask the drivers themselves or just, you know, I mean, it's, see it, the it's situation. It's sort of around 500,000, isn't it? I had I did not come across that in my yeah, research, but yeah, over you know, the road, uh, at any given at any given point at any given given time, like no, I think like you know the, you, you see like the three million number sure, which lot, isn't completely that, accurate. That includes all different kinds of yeah, like, not like over the parcel rotors. delivery people, yeah. regional haul, uh, line haul, that kind of thing. But over the road, I think is supposedly around 
500,000. So okay. right there, it tells you, you know, you know there might, there's probably a small number that's teams. So that's like, you know, fewer parking spaces per driver. But I mean, it tells you right there, there's a massive problem, a massive shortfall in seems parking like, availability. seems like there is no doubt. Um, fairly recently, the American Transportation Research Institute, what we call ATRI, um, they, they, did, um, they did this truck, truck parking diary research thing where um, they had, they, it, was, it was really well surveyed, they had uh, over 4,700 unique documented parking, you know, um, uploads from these uh, truckers over a period of 14 days. And so this is a pretty good source of information. Right, yeah. Yeah, and they um, they noticed, uh, according to all the stats, and the, the inv- 56 minutes on average were spent or sa- of, of driver time was sacrificed simply looking for a place to park. Mm. Ouch. Bad. Right? Um which uh, you know, if you if you kind of do some of the math, um, that 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 uh, you know accounts for a dr- for a driver, it's about ninety three hundred um, <clears throat> revenue earning miles are lost, and therefore about forty six hundred dollars annually, um, and, and just you know, yeah, that's a lot of money, right? Uh, and it's got to be frustrating, you know, like uh, I mean, it's like it's like almost you know, it's like what not eight nine percent, eight nine ten percent of like. Yeah, like it, I think the median pay being $41,000, that sounds like a little over 10% of a driver's pay. <laughs> right, but if we think about yeah. just like hours, of, you know, 11 hours driving, you just oh, chop yeah. an hour off of that. Right, that's uh, yeah. a little under 10%. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, you know, it's, it's oh, we, we've been talking a lot about retention, you know, and, you know, we, we've heard like, well, is, is it really a driver shortage or is it a retention issue? Well, you know, I'm just thinking if I'm entering the industry and I'm thinking about being an over the road truck, truck driver, do I, do I want to deal with also not being able to find a place to park? Uh, that ain't working for me, you know? Right. So it, to me, if you want to frame this as a driver retention issue as well, you could. Yeah. It's just another it's one just, of the many things you got to deal with. It's an efficiency thing. And yeah, it's, it is. And the problem is, is that the, you know, the places where drivers park, truck stops, for example, aren't necessary. You know, they don't, nece- they don't make money by having drivers sleep there all night. They make money by drivers coming in, yeah. using the facilities, you know, buying food, buying gallons, you know, doing whatever, like they don't really have a huge incentive to expand their asphalt footprint in a way and just add parking spaces for the sake of having them. What we have recently talked about, you know, becoming a shipper of choice and one of those, the many ways that you could be, be a shipper of choice by is offering by parking. offering free overnight parking. Seems like, right. you know, shippers might want to continue to take note of that. But what is a trucker to do, JP? Like, you know, like what, 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 like what's, what is the answer? Are there solutions? Yeah. I mean, that's, they, it's it's in the article okay well what i it's uh you know they typically will tell you well plan ahead and you know expect the unexpected and you know dispatchers can help you kind of contradictory right 
plan ahead, expect the unexpected. <laughs> I guess so. It's yeah, um, somewhat redundant and, and a little meta. Um, but uh, yeah, de- de- destination dispatchers—they're supposed to help suggest safe local places to park. And you know, there are some actual like Travel Centers of America um, is offering an online reservation service, and um, Pilot Flying J's got a prime parking program, which you know I think you know with an app, it, I think it helps. But yeah. you know, in the end, we simply need state by state um new parking capacity so um so yeah so they're actually i mean what's interesting is i don't know how fast these solutions will happen one of the things that brought national attention to the issue was this um this thing this thing called jason's law um the law was named after jason rivenberg he was a truck driver he was robbed and murdered in 2009 after pulling off the road to rest at an abandoned south carolina gas station and so that, without getting into the details of all of that, basically what the, like, his wife, like, took it, took, took this to, um, you know, Congress and, uh, and, and they, it brought national attention to the parking pro- problem all the way back then, you know, and, um, and looking for better places to park, not, not to mention right. safer places. Right. Um, there's also an eight-state initiative at, starting in Iowa with uh, a number of places. They, they got a $25 million uh, federal Tiger grant. Um, so, and, and basically between Iowa, uh, along I-80, mm-hmm. along Iowa, Indiana, in Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Like your um, big, like Midwest. Mid, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And um, they, according to Mid American Association of State Transportation Officials, um, they will, you know, put put together a way for you know participating states to kind of you know address their needs through an electronic system and coordinate with each other. And they actually plan to have the 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 system up and running by January 2019, which actually sounds like maybe something could happen in a reasonable, somewhat reasonable amount of time if we can yeah, survive the 2018 capacity crunch. Right. So it sounds like, though, that they're still focused on squeezing more efficiencies out of existing capacity and ma- almost like yeah. matching you know, drivers or trucks to parking spots without actually building more parking lots right is that right yeah you know i it kind of does sound like that um i I don't i don't hear a lot of like infrastructural changes so it's it's a problem there's also a a, um map 21 is um uh some research being conducted by um the uh federal highway administration um and they're you know studying the issue and they're trying to rank the bet the the hardest places to park and they they want to increase available parking spaces uh but how it's going to be done uh we don't know exactly yet but you can't they are conducting public um public comments to its plan survey through this may 23rd okay if you want to go to the uh FWHA site and, um, you know, help the DOT officials, um, yeah, just let them be know. a part of your, yeah. put your voice in there. Exactly. Tell them, you know, what, what you've been experiencing, um, what you think will work, what you think won't work, uh, places or regions where things are, you know, capacity is particularly needed, that sort of thing. Um, you know, now's, now's the industry's chance to really help inform 
the people in Washington who are going to make the rules. Absolutely. Throw your voice in there for what it may be worth. Let's hope some change can happen. And now we get to have our first segment called Five Good Minutes, where this week's guest we're excited to present is Mike Matusik, the Government Affairs Director of OIDA. Um, so Mike Matusik, is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Mike Matusik, Director of Gover Government Affairs from uh, OIDA, is uh, joining the What the Truck podcast for our Five Good Minutes segment. Mike, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. And let's start the timer now. Okay. Um, so our first question is, what's the biggest issue facing your membership today? Well, we have uh, a hard question to answer. There's not just one issue, uh, but the biggest issue facing our members, there's, there's a lot of them. Hours of service reform, the ELB mandate, regulatory reform, uh, infrastructure funding, and when I say that, I'm talking our members are very much against polling. Uh, so those are a lot of issues. Uh, truck weights, our members by and large don't like, uh, don't want truck weights to increase. So there's a lot of issues we work on, all of which are important to our members. Right. Uh, okay, thanks. Uh, uh, question number two, What uh, what is OIDA's stance on the driver shortage? We disagree with the driver shortage. This, uh, we hear people talk about a driver shortage, but the fact is there are over 400,000 new CDLs issued every single year. Again, new CDLs issued every year, 400,000. So um, it's not a driver shortage. It's a driver retention issue. A lot of the big carriers will admit that they have a 100% turnover of drivers every single year. And that's a problem, and it's, uh, we believe that it's um, a result of non-competitive compensation, uh, poor working conditions, and some people might just find out that um, they don't want to uh, you know, be in the industry. So there's a number of reasons for that, but we, again, strongly disagree that there's a driver shortage. It's a driver retention issue. Yes, and we've covered that uh, many times. Uh, JP? Yeah, that's that's kind of what um, we've been learning, too, is that really the issue is that people don't like working for large carriers, or a lot of people don't, right? I mean, it's, it's the large carriers that have trouble seating their trucks, but it doesn't really seem like there's an overall you know, macroeconomic driver shortage. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Look, there's some carriers that uh, offer great benefits, uh, offer great pay. Uh, there's one, for example, just a couple of weeks ago that came out and said, it listed off all the benefits that they offered, but that's probably the exception, not the norm. And uh, of course, we do represent, uh, some of our members are employee drivers that do work and are employed by motor carriers, uh, but the bulk of our members are single truck owner operators. They either uh, are leased to a motor carrier uh, via a lease agreement, or they have their own operating authority and they are their own motor carrier. So, again, the bulk of our members are single truck owner operators, but we do have uh, we do have employee drivers. And again, this uh, we hear this uh, driver shortage issue time and time again. But um, you know, simple supply and demand kind of suggests that if there was a driver shortage, that uh, driver pay would be much higher than it actually is, and it's not. So, uh, again, it's, it's a retention issue in our in our opinion. That's the message that we're pushing. Right. Right. Thanks. Um, 
That, that makes sense to us. So our last question is about OIDA's opposition to the uh, Drive Safe Act, which would um, allow 18 to 21 year olds to um, drive uh, semi trucks. Um, we've heard a little bit about this sort of safety argument against it, but that doesn't really make sense to us. So we're wondering what the basis of OIDA's opposition to the Drive Safe Act really is. With personal automobiles, I mean, statistically, if you drivers are likely to get an accident uh, than older drivers, your insurance uh, suggests that as well. Your insurance rates go down. Uh, we tend to think that if you want to make the roads safer, uh, that the driving age might go up, not down, and, and that's what the statistics might suggest. But look, there are some companies that, that uh, and, and there are some people that can safely operate a truck that are under 21 years old. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there's a lot of people that can't. There's a, would be a tremendous opportunity for carriers to exploit those younger drivers, uh, keep wages suppressed for everyone else. So, and again, this all assumes that there's a driver shortage. Um, we again reject that there's a need for additional drivers. Uh, 400,000 new drivers coming to the industry every year. So, it, it's uh, carriers need to learn how to retain their drivers better than than just simply continuing that driver churn, keeping wages down. There's no incentive to offer better working conditions when you just have a, a you know a fresh uh, set of drivers every single year. So, that's that's a lot of what our opposition comes from on that bill. And that is just under five minutes. We did it. Success. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Excellent. Well, what did you make of Mike's comments there, JP? I thought it was really interesting. You know, um, OIDA, you know, they've presented so many different arguments against the Drive Safe Act, right? <clears throat> against the idea that letting 18 to 21 year olds drive is a viable solution to the so-called driver shortage, right? And I mean, I think we've sort of independently confirmed through our research that the driver shortage uh, most severely affects large carriers that have, you know, some of the toughest working conditions. Um, you know, it's they have real problems with churn and re, re, you know, retaining drivers, things like that. Um, sure, and that's what the OIDA basically says. It's like, let's solve the churn issue. Yeah, and they and they, you know, but they they really make safety arguments against. Um, Do you the, buy the safety arguments? Not really, and let me tell you why. Because the fact of the matter is, is that eighteen-year-olds can already drive Class Eight trucks in intra states. Yes. So you can drive, which is the ATA's point, and we invited them to come on. By the way, you can drive from Houston to, to Lubbock, right? Yeah. In a, in a semi, you can El Paso to Houston, right? Like that's eleven hours. Yeah, so I mean, the safety thing doesn't, you know, really hold that much water for me. I mean, I think that professionally trained commercial drivers are probably the safest drivers on the road. It's kind of weird that OIDA would try to do this like scare tactic of like, and but toward the end of the interview, I yeah. thought Mike was a lot more kind of. Um, you know, uh, straight up with us when he was basically like, look, what it's going to be is, you know, the large carriers absorbing this new group of very young, very inexperienced, perhaps economically vulnerable drivers that they can then use to depress wages for the entire industry. 
um, lowering, you know, keep t uh, they'll be able to take freight at cheaper rates than the owner operators of OIDA want them to. You know what I mean? And so it's like yeah. it's kind of the it's kind of the the age old power struggle between the lar between the ATA and the large carriers and the owner ops. You can I think I think that you know yeah. he, we we kind of brought him to sort of admit that, and that that really makes sense to me, and I can see. I can see the logic of that that argument. I can see uh, their their stance and really appreciate them taking the time to uh, come on and give their perspective. Um, you can see why the ATA could be frustrated by you know because like oh we're we're not going to actually call it a driver shortage problem. We're going to pretend that that doesn't exist and we're going to call it something else. Oh, it's a driver retention issue. Uh, it, it seems like semantics a little bit. There's definitely a capacity issue, uh, a problem, and just paying drivers more doesn't necessarily solve everything. It's a complex issue, um, but let's talk about um, a really um, exciting and sexy thing that you discovered. Um, you got a little bit more intel on while you were at the ACT Expo 2018 In uh, Long Beach. scene. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. It was cool. Well, Long Beach was great. Um, we were in the Long Beach Convention Center. Um, it was weirdly like kind of overcast and rainy there, which I didn't expect. But anyway, I, I was in the Renaissance Hotel right across the street. Really cool um, conference or expo, sort of a, yeah. a combination of like the traditional exhibition hall with tons of like vehicles and products and booths and you said it was just jam packed. Oh my gosh. More it was, than ever. Right. Yeah. Like, it's been great. This expo, which focuses on. So interestingly, they used to call it the alternative clean technology or transportation expo. Wow. Um, that's a mouthful. Now, now they call it, they, they change it from alternative to advanced though, because now these sort of um, low emission vehicles are no longer alternatives. It's what the Absolutely. industry is going for. And they're kind of saying that like, this is the future. We're all moving toward it. Therefore it's not alternative. It's advanced. Love and it. In, in any case, one of the interesting things that I noticed um, at the ACT Expo, walking on the floor, talking to the various companies there, their representatives was that for all of the hype, that electric vehicles get, and there, there were a, a number of electric yeah. vehicles there. Don't get me for wrong. For sure. There were great um, electric buses. A lot of hype. There was a really... Uh, yeah, those are cool. There was a really like sleek, high-tech, double-decker electric mm. bus made by the Chinese company BYD, which is like the biggest maker of electric cars in the world. Really awesome. There were cool things like... Um, I'm beer you know, goggling for that. Maybe it's the romantic chemistry IPA I'm drinking. I don't know. Oh yeah, that was, sounds pretty amazing. Yes, but tell so the, the, the BYD bus was was quite a looker. But yeah. um, what I was kind of surprised to learn is that despite all that hype, if you look at class eight heavy duty trucks over the you know for over the road types of things, there were so many more liquefied natural gas or compressed natural gas trucks on offer than you know pure battery electric trucks yeah to me that is the story it's kind of fascinating I mean, how yeah, underreported yeah, this yeah kind exactly of major exactly thing. Like, like ups you know had its you know all electric like straight truck or whatever yeah but i mean really like if you look at the big you know i think it's daimler 
Kenworth, Peterbilt, U.S. Hybrid. They all had Class 8s there, um, powered by natural gas. I know, um, wow. I know Mack Truck is making one. And it's um, kind of just like they're quietly doing this behind the scenes, making it's in, in a sense, it's almost sort of to me. Um, and I know Thor is still doing some cool things with, yeah, um, Thor, with the electric. Yeah, with the electric. So exactly. Yeah. Thor was the they're, only electric Class A truck there. Tesla wasn't there, by the way. Yeah. More on that. But yeah, and I was going to say it's kind of like you know to me for a while why, why, how Nikola was quietly doing their fuel celled hydrogen vehicle, not getting right. as much press, but just quietly patenting right. and you know de- their technology and delivering on it, while the big headlines and everybody's getting oh so excited about the the tesla electric semi semi however we want to pronounce it uh and and then what's what's happening yeah i mean and the interesting thing is that like so everyone at the conference was sort of talking about this advanced clean technology in the context of california's persistent problems with air quality especially the san joaquin valley and um the los angeles air base yeah they call it um, our, the air our, basin. Yeah, are yeah. two of the worst places in the entire country for pollution. Um, Not surprising. Again, Sad, but true, I guess. Yeah, and so what's interesting about the LNG trucks and the, the LNG and the CNG. And they still produce trucks, some methane. But they're some... 19 times cleaner than a normal diesel truck. Wow. Even the most modern, clean, efficient diesel trucks. Not, wow, really? Not, yeah. Now, is, it, is there something, though, about the harvesting of the, of the, the, the liquid, the natural gas, that, that, that also, though, puts a ton of methane into the air? I don't uh, know. We don't have to get into that, but I, I thought mean, that yeah. there were still issues with that, so it wasn't quite I as mean, clean I think as you, we thought. You can make natural gas as a byproduct of just pumping oil. So, you know, it's not – Okay. I, I think it's probably comparable to, to diesel as far, well, as, that, as, far so. as that goes. A but, clean, realistic future. Sounds yeah, great. yeah, exactly. Like, like, and California is building up this huge network of hundreds of um, LNG like refueling stations, you know, across across the state. Like, it seems like it's a way to get power, range. Yeah, it does keep the weight down. Yeah. and the cost down, and still and really have... cut. The nitrogen oxides and, and not have like a uh, five thousand hundred ton like battery in your truck exactly uh, <laughs> to in order to make it electric right uh, it's electric um, and so that you are that might be fire. that might be where um, you know the future of low emission and no emission vehicles are you know what is, it does it sounds like it is it's I'm there I'm with you right now in the future well because the news broke today. You know, and oh. um, our. Um, you want to throw some more shade on Tesla? Well, our managing editor, Brian Strait. Yeah, know, shout out to Strait. Yeah, so. Um, he, and he was sort of writing based off of some financial analysts who have really dug deep into Tesla's recent earnings call. Um, the, the, Q, the Q1 2018 earnings right. call. Right. I think it was just which, which, one analyst. This is one analyst. Well, the thing but, is, it makes sense. I mean, but he, it does make here's sense. Here's the thing. So, Tesla said that they were going to produce. The semi starting in 2019. Okay, they indeed. Th- we know that the uh, main factory in Fremont, uh, California, is already operating completely at capacity. They have no more room to add you know, more models, more vehicles, whatever. So they will need to build another 
factory, probably costing around a billion dollars to build Chump the um, to build the semi, right? So, yeah. so you would think like, okay, that should be we, we are going to be ramping up our capital capital expenditures yes. for 2018 to get ready to deliver the semi in 2019. Instead, they said, you know, because they're running into major cash difficulties, they don't want to admit that they're going to have to return um, to the market to either sell equity or, or debt. Um, so they're lowering CapEx guidance for 2018. Yeah, so that's they about, said yeah, instead of about spending, Tesla in general. Yeah, so Tesla yeah. in general said they're instead of spending, instead of investing $3.4 billion in the company over 2018, which is what they were going to do, they're lowering that to $3 billion. So instead of adding a billion, which is what they would need um, to build a factory for the semi, they're lowering about $400 million. Wow, that's so, part of the piece of the so, puzzle. Another part I remember from uh, reading Strait's article uh, was that he said one of the eye-opening comments from Elon Musk was that when asked about uh, from a reporter about, hey, what about the like 2,000 reservations that you guys have landed for the semi? And he was just kind of like, oh, you know, we haven't even tried. We haven't even put any marketing effort behind that. Uh, we're not selling 2000- it. We're not thinking very much about it is what he said <laughs> right and it's like and 2000 is pretty anemic anyway um for for something of such an enormous uh you know infrastructural and and you know uh nature so right. there, there's some eye-opening things i think you heard it here if not first maybe second that it's not looking good for the electric semi semi maybe and personally you, you, personally you I, I predicted on yes, linkedin it's when documented we, when we first talked about the semi Back in December, right when the reveal happened, my prediction was when will we see the Tesla semi on the road? Never. Ouch! And uh, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking it, I'm taking the beating because I was trying to be a believer, um, and that is um, turning out to be it's going down in flames, metaphorically and uh, uh, literally. Literally, actually. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Um, we have other news to cover here. One other major headline, uh, it, it seems to us uh, this week, was the um, that you know there you know it's the capacity thing, and it's like there's here's an idea that you know there are two controversial approaches that you know in the headlines this week to quote unquote solving the scarcity of commercially licensed drivers. Right. I mean there's no exact there's no silver bullet, I don't think, but there are a couple of things. One's legislative and one seems to be kind of cultural. Um and uh the the legislative one is, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast here, the drive safe legislation. It's actually kind of cool, like who knows how far this legislation will get. But one of the cool things is that it will be integrated, this 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 leg- this approach to getting like getting everybody to be okay with eighteen to twenty one year olds to be allowed to cross state lines. Ooh. Yeah. Well they're what they're what they're right. saying is this, there's this cool company called Advanced Training System. And they've developed this advanced simulation technology to help train the new operators so that they can safely be able to be professional drivers and, you know, and, and, and bring in a new generation, a much needed new generation, um, you know, to, to trucking. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it's kind of interesting. It's almost like the simulator. You, you can even say that the simulator is kind of a, a cultural thing, you know, for like 
getting like yeah, gamifying tracking, right, gamifying, attracting yeah. millennials, something like that. And that um, that's a good point. I'm. I wonder, uh, you know, what the ultimate impact of this legis- legislation is going to be, or what Me its too. what its fate will be in Congress. I know that um, one of the co-sponsors of the bill, uh, Representative Duncan Hunter, yeah. fr- a Republican from San Diego, is kind of a goofball. Um, yeah. Known famous for <sighs> uh, va- vaping during a House <laughs> hearing. That and guy. also got into a little bit of trouble for um, taking some of his campaign contribution money and spending about $3,000 of it on video games. Oh, on, so he's, on, through, game, through, he's through his, gamifying his, his, own, yeah. his own position yeah. as a legislator. And he's been kind of, you know, adopted ironically, I think, by the millennial generation as their sort of hero in Congress. But... He's under. Everyone's doing it. He's under a little bit of you know, scrutiny. Okay. Um, well, he's I don't know uh, he's, how... he's bringing in a cool. He's he's one of two Republican Republicans who are bringing to the right. house some cool legislation, which I dig. I want to I want to see some some solutions to this capacity crunch. Yeah, I mean, the, you the, know what the I other mean? sponsor, Trey Hollingsworth, is you know he's a little bit more straight laced. He's originally from my hometown, although I think he's in. Indiana now. Um, so where is it? Inter- Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Is that where you're originally from? No, oh, I'm from. Wait. No, I'm from oh. uh, Palatine, Tennessee. He's from. Cl- oh. he's, he's from Clinton, okay. which is right over the Anderson County line. Gotcha. But um, he went to he went to school in Knoxville and stuff like that. Anyway, he he he's all into like whatever, like manufacturing metals, and it seems like he's got his head on the shoulders a little bit more. Maybe he's more in tune with industrial labor problems. And we recognize that OIDA is, is, is not in favor of, of the uh, legislation. We're just wanting to see opportunities arise where they, where they can. Uh, what, but we do try to be fair and balanced. Um, the other, the other, uh, um, aspect to a potential solution to at least alleviating right, right. some of the pain is kind of a cultural thing. It's yeah. women in trucking. Wit women in trucking is is a, is an organization we'd like to bring a spotlight to. In fact, um, next uh, week we are very much hoping to have for our five good minutes segment Ellen Voy, the president of Wit. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great. We I've actually interviewed her before um, for a story about women in trucking. Cool. Um, she's you know pretty media savvy, and I'm definitely looking forward to the interview. I think that uh, it seems like they could women in trucking. Why can't there be more of them? There's only six yeah, percent of exactly. women in the trucking industry, and that's why this is a controversial solution. Seems strange, but it's true. Well, it's it's so weird. And um, one of the keynote speakers at the uh, Stiefel, um Transportation conference I went to in Miami Beach was basically saying he was looking out at the the sea of you know trucking executives and saying like yeah. this room is far too white and far too male oh like why like you know when we have when we know that you know Latino people and Black yeah. people and Asian people are growing in numbers and when we have all you know half the population is women like you're talking about driver shortage well it's like it's because something about this industry yeah is might be excluding you know people who are going to be increasingly the face of america demographically speaking in the future 
Wow, good stuff. Yeah, and so it and apparently um, there, like, while uh, in 2016 the cultural shift of women in in trucking moved very, very little. Um, recently, it's grown 19 percent. Like women, oh. at least Ooh. in, in driving? positions, not just driving, as I understand it. Maybe Ellen can clarify some of the stats a little bit I think for it's us. Seven percent of drivers. Seven percent of drivers are women. Are, are women now, but it has been a growth this this year of 19% of women in trucking in general, um, and uh, it's it's it seems like a significant kind of like sudden like yeah. needle push. Interesting. So it's yeah. Wow, that's good. Um, and and uh, our production manager Barry is looking a little um, Ellen has you know po- Ellen anxious is... over here. Oh, I see. So I think that he is suggesting through his body language that we need to to play big deal or little deal. What's the deal with you, JP? Are you ready? I believe I'm ready. Well, ready or not, here we come. Okay, so we're going to start timing it about right now. Mother's Day spikes reefer rates 52% out of Miami. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. Not because of what it tells us about the import of Colombian flowers, but what it tells us about the sensitivity of a very tight capacity market to sudden upticks in demand. Flower power. DHL earnings disappoint as the company looks to contain e-commerce delivery costs. Big deal or little deal? Huge deal. E-commerce is one of the fastest growing um, segments of freight. And if it's costing you money instead of making you money, you're in for a lot of trouble. The DriveWise pre-pass help battle has gone nuclear in just the last few weeks. Big deal or little deal? I would say it's a little deal. These are two different companies who are both uh, working on way-in-motion technology and they're fighting for market share. Truck driver shortages expected to increase oil prices and constrain supply. Big deal or little deal? Big deal, whatever you want to call it, you know, but it's a capacity crunch and it's real and it's tough to find drivers even though they're getting paid more. Uber has plans for autonomous air cargo. Big deal or little deal? Well, for now, it's just a little eensy beansy deal because it sounds amazing. Can't wait for it to happen, but it's only a big deal when it's here. Uh, UPS Teamsters seem to be divided against themselves. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. Will the Teamsters lose their negotiating power and allow a second hybrid class driver to deliver on Sundays and get paid less? The show must go on and the Teamsters can't stop progress. Wow, I think we made it. We, we have like five seconds left. Maybe we should add a little bit more commentary. But in the meantime, awesome, awesome work. All we right. did it. And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. And if you're into learning about technology that's shaping up the industry, you definitely want to be at Transparency 18 in Atlanta this May. Visit Transparency18.com to learn more about the event. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you next week on What What the the truck. Truck.